It's another day, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome to May 7th on Iowa's Newsworthy Path. Today we'll be in Jessup, Iowa. So let's turn our attention to the Citizens Herald on May 7th, 1908. I'm your host, Kristen Noonan. It's a pleasure to be your guide today. Let's roll. Lecture course. The young people's societies of the different churches who conducted the lecture, lecture course last winter with such marked success have closed a contract with the Mutual Lithium Bureau Company of Chicago for a course for the upcoming winter. And as near as we can get a line on the talent secured, the course will be an exceptionally strong one. The attractions selected are as follows. Harland and New Hall Company, Male Quartet and Bell Ringers, Dr. L. D. Herbert, Lecturer, S. Platt Jones, Entertainer, Booth Lowry, Lecturer, The Floyds, Magicians. A good lecture course is a fine thing for a town, giving the citizens an opportunity to hear the very best talent for a moderate sum. There is lots of work and responsibility in putting on a course of this nature, and when the societies put their tickets on sale, they should meet with hearty encouragement from all. Public Notice to the residents and property owners of the incorporated town of Jessup, Iowa. Notice is hereby given, directing and requiring each and every person within the city limits to clean up and remove from all cellars, backyards, stables and alleys, all rubbish, ashes, decaying vegetables, and other filth, and to remove the same beyond the limits of the city. Now let us get busily engaged in this matter, avoid trouble, and have one of the brightest, cleanest towns in the state. By order of R. L. Bordner, Mayor, F. E. Scheimer, Health Officer. There will be a ball game at the ballpark Saturday afternoon, Fairbank vs. Jessup. Turn out and help to encourage the home team to victory. Friday was rather disagreeable for May Day. Rain falling at intervals throughout the day, but the weather cleared in the evening so that our little folks had their pleasure in hanging May baskets. Miss Muncie, who went to Waterloo last week to visit with her friend Mrs. Stewart, had the misfortune to fall and hurt herself quite badly. O.B. Parker went to Waterloo Monday evening to accompany her home. Mrs. W.M. Young and Mrs. M.H. Hallman and daughters Frances and Georgie left Wednesday morning for an extended visit with daughter and sister, Mrs. T.J. Owens, living at Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Mr. Hallman accompanied them as far as Waterloo. The Misses Doris Hasking, Lizzie Trumpauer, and Margaret Hull went to Independence Saturday morning and took the noon freight from there for Winthrop to attend the ball game. Large assortment, exquisite patterns, beautiful designs at the big special lace curtain sale at Barger's Saturday. The many friends of Fred Keeney will be sorry to learn that he is seriously ill at the home of his parents 
at Shady Grove. Amos Haskins visited last week with his parents and many friends at Strawberry Point. Sarah Sherman was shopping at Independence Wednesday. Miss Lydia Walker of Dubuque was here Friday, a visitor in the H.A. Mead home. The most sensational cut price lace curtain sale ever held in Jessup, prices ranging from 25 cents to $2.95 per pair at Barger's Saturday. Ellis Bennett and family left Thursday evening of last week for Salem, Oregon, where they will make their future home, it being Mr. Bennett's intention to take up some land near the above place. We wish them success in their new home. Mr. Tressweller, living south of town, received a dispatch Tuesday night stating that his daughter, Mrs. Peter Hess, had passed away at her home at Minot, North Dakota. Peter Hess, who was son of Mr. and Mrs. J.J. Hess, has lived at Minot for about two years. The dispatch also stated that their infant child also died. There were no particulars as to cause of death. The remains will be brought here for burial. Obituary will appear next week. School law changes asked. Superintendents want to make a number that are radical. At the Convention of County Superintendents, held recently in Des Moines, a number of radical changes in the school laws of Iowa were considered and favorable action taken on the following. That the officer of school treasurer be abolished. That the appointment of a truant officer in all school corporations be made compulsory. That the authority to condemn unfit school buildings shall be vested in the county superintendent. That some professional and secondary school training shall be required as a condition to entering a teacher's examination. That the institute enrollment fee shall be abolished. That a district be denied the right to maintain a school for fewer than 10 pupils. And that transportation be furnished where necessary. That section 2803 be amended so as to give every child the advantage of the nearest school of the grade to which he belongs, free and without controversy. That the county superintendent be empowered to cause to be withheld from the apportionment fund of districts that neglect or refuse to comply with the provisions of the library law by specified time, the sum of 15 cents for each person of school age that amount to be expended in the purchase of library books. That the distribution of library books semi-annually be optional with school township boards. That the rural territory be changed from district organization to county unit. That the normal institute as now provided be abolished and in its stead established a short institute during the school year requiring the attendance on the part of teachers with full pay. While these changes are radical, they are just such changes as are needed in our Iowa school laws, the revision of which has been sadly neglected. Central strike spreads. Carmen and blacksmiths of Iowa Road are all out. Marshalltown. Carmen and blacksmiths 
of the Iowa Central went out when the company posted notices in the shops, announcing a new schedule of work. Boilermakers are expected to go out. The new schedule makes a cut of $0.5.5 cent per hour to the blacksmith, with an average cut of $0.22.5 cents a day for carmen. Men are affected at Oskaloosa, Mason City, Albia, Iowa, and at Monmouth and Bartlett in Illinois. Afton Child Torn by Hog Afton Because she climbed into a pen and attempted to steal a two-day-old pig, an old sow attacked Bessie Graham, tore the clothing entirely from her body, and lacerated her face and entire body in a frightful manner. The frenzied animal was standing over the prostrate body, tearing and rending it when the father, alarmed by the child's screams, reached the pen. He fought furiously to beat off the sow and rescued the child. That Merry Widow Hat Doris Haskins and Lizzie Trumpauer informed us last week that they were unable to get a Merry Widow Hat here just large enough to suit their taste and thought they would have to go to some eastern metropolis to make a selection. They have not gone as yet, however, and to save the expense of a trip, we offered the following suggestions for headgear of the Merry Widow pattern, which we believe will meet their approbation to the letter. This don't suit if the ladies will kindly let us know, we will endeavor to frame up another design. One of the trimmers in a local millinery house gives out the following as the correct way for trimming the new style of hats for women. Take one car wheel, superimpose on the hub, one whole waist paper basket, stitch on a cover, white fishing net over green mosquito bar from your last season's camping outfit. Around this crown, bank a few sunflowers and daisies, brown roses, cerise and crimson chrysanthemums, a bunch of tall grass, a spray of lavender lilacs, a lice blue hyacinth, a stalk of hollyhocks, purple and variegated petunias, pink verbenas, and candy tuft, interspersed with the blue and brown forget-me-nots. Next, take 53 yards of lavender colored ribbon, edged with cerise, and construct a number of loops for either side of the front of the crown to either outer edge of the brim, using as a brace or stiffening long strips of bamboo. In the center of this dainty bow, place the garden gate, the latest fad in a merry widow hat buckle. Should the ribbon not be forthcoming, two canoe paddles secured by the above mentioned buckle and appropriately tinted will serve satisfactorily. A golf stick, a garden rake, and a flagpole will give a jaunty effect as hat pins. These are only a few hints in regard to the material for the home manufacture of the popular Merry Widow hat. Any changes may be made for fixtures added to suit the maker, for anything is in style if the size is maintained. And that's it for May 7th on Iowa's Newsworthy Past. Thank you for tuning in. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked it. Episodes are released on Wednesdays and Fridays at 8 a.m. 
so put that on your calendar. Anyway, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Just real easy. Search Iowa's Newsworthy Past. And I'll be there.